Please be aware, this episode may contain information not suitable for children. There may be depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome to Wickedness, a new true crime the unknown podcast created by me and my husband. I'm Lenny. And I'm Matt. And every week we plan to dive into something horrifying, mystical, supernatural, or just plain interesting. You might catch us drinking some wine or sipping some whiskey. I got some monkey shoulder right now that I'm sipping on. <laughs> As well as at least some some handy beverage that you may have on 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 uh, stock, but uh, if you're listening on your way to work, you know, please don't drink and drive. Do just do the coffee, I think. Yeah, just leave the Bailey's out of the morning coffee. Sounds like a good plan. Uh, we wanted to start this podcast because I've been listening to a lot of different true crime podcasts and I love listening to them. So I felt like starting my own and talking about some of my favorite topics. I'm a little bit obsessed with true crime, and I also love weird stuff like aliens, ghosts, other dimensions, etc. So if you're into that stuff too, then I hope you enjoy listening to us talk about them. We also wanted to cover some topics that we don't hear, or you don't hear on other podcasts, uh, more of a local uh, flavor to those where we grew up. Uh, Cases that we plan to cover include some, some of the places or Lenny where she grew up or people that she's known. And then we'll also uh, cover some of those normal things, just like Ted Bundy, BTK, so on and so forth. But also, I'm from Texas, so we'll cover some of those things uh, from down where I'm at. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. (laughs) All right. So this week's episode is an unsolved cold case out of the heartland. You know, Oklahoma, heartland. Mm -hmm. But... Before I get into, yeah, before, actually get into... She's got a great story for you. It Actually, I bought into this story. I bought so, into it too. Um, it's good. So when I first started to research this episode, I came across an article that talked about um, Freddy Krueger being real, and it alluded to the fact that he could have been the serial killer I'm about to discuss. So, of course, I shared this with Matt, and I was super excited and I was like oh my gosh this is going to be such a cool twist to tie a story to a series of movies like this and I had him believing it that this serial killer that I'm going to talk about today was from Freddy Krueger or or vice versa that Freddy Krueger came from him but uh, the story was that a serial killer from the 1800s was in Oklahoma killing children, talked about factory fires, etc. And for some reason, I was so into this possibility that I didn't even think about anything about the fact that this guy in the story was from the 1800s. And our real-life serial killer was in the late 1970s and early 1980s, 1918. It should have clicked, but it didn't. So when I actually started reading up on it, I was disappointed to find out that it was a Halloween trick that a guy had played um, on everyone. It went viral. Everyone was starting to buy into this and everything, but it wasn't true. It had nothing to do with this case that I'm about to talk about. And it sent me down a rabbit hole of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, it sent me down the rabbit hole of fun, too, because I got all excited. (laughs) I thought this was pretty awesome that... Wow, Freddy Krueger's from Oklahoma in this area here, and it's and it's from this character or this real live person that we're gonna talk about. That's where they came up at the movie, the mm-hmm. plot, the the guy with the big crazy hands with scissors on him, you know, yeah, knives it wasn't for hands. Edward. No, it wasn't Edward Scissorhands. I guess I'm getting my my storylines here mixed up. But 
No, it was I was I bought into it as well because Lenny has been wanting to do this podcast for quite some time and excited about it and you know doing the first one, she thought that it'd be a neat tie-in. So joke was on her and on me and on us, yeah. I guess. So uh, anyway, I did want her to kind of start off the whole thing, telling the story like it was true. Oh yeah. And then tell you guys, sorry, uh, we just made that up. That's a fabrication. Uh, if you were, if if you fell into the trap like I did, like I like I just did, uh, then you then you know how I feel the pain that I feel uh, yeah. because I was really buying into this. Oh yeah, I I had my my moment of stupidity and now I've shared it with everyone. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the real case, the the real life serial killer here that has nothing to do with Freddy Krueger. But he's so, got a cool name. <laughs> he does. Oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. God, you stumped me. He does. <laughs> it, just because you can't see my wife here on this podcast, she is a blonde. Oh, geez. Thanks. <laughs> so, as I mentioned before, this is an unsolved cold case out of Oklahoma City. Oklahoma has no real claims to infamous serial killers like Ed Kemper or Ted Bundy. Uh, the state has a small town feel, even in our biggest cities. So it's peaceful, it's relaxing, the people are genuinely kind, and you just feel safe when you're out exploring. So you wouldn't imagine that anything bad had ever happened here. But we're known for a few horrible things, like the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, some missing persons cases that have received a ton of national media attention, the Tulsa race riots way back when, and horribly huge tornadoes. We have some terrible weather, you know, that has caused some havoc in this state. So. Well, too, also the Bible Freeman case, which has, you know, been on a lot of podcasts and documentaries right. and books. And then also uh, there's a Girl Scout camp where girls were murdered. And actually, I was I had to been looking that up for right. a future podcast. And there's like four or five books just out on that alone. So there's some pretty big cases or things that have happened, maybe just no serial killers per se. But right. there is a lot of incidents that have yeah. occurred. Just like anywhere, I guess. But while reading several different articles on Oklahoma mysteries, murders, and missing persons cases, there's this one cold case that I'm going to talk about today that just really caught my attention. And it seems like it's just been buried and forgotten, unfortunately. And it happened in the late 70s, early 80s. And it remains unsolved. And it's so horrifying that you can't make this stuff up, unless you're Stephen King. And I don't think this is out of one of his novels. So... The killer I'm talking about was coined the Oklahoma City Butcher. In the descriptions of how these victims are found, you'll see what I'm talking about. During my research, I found the same information over and over, and unfortunately, there wasn't much information out there on this case. There seems like there could have been much more, but not there just wasn't. According to a couple of articles from Reddit and Red Dirt, a couple more, uh, I'll link everything on our website. There were three victims that were reportedly found in a way that would scar you for life if you were the one who found them. The scary part about the whole story is not the way the victims were killed and dismembered. In my opinion, it's the fact that this killer was never caught or identified. And from what I could tell, they didn't even have any solid suspects in this murder. It was just, I mean, this person just got away with, with killing these women. Um, there are several theories about who might have done this, but no one really knows and we'll kind of cover a couple of those theories. So just to set the scene, it's 
downtown Oklahoma City, middle of a workday, springtime weather in the in the mid seventies. There are probably people just going about their normal routine to include these three city workers who stumbled on this horrific find. So the first victim was found on April 1st, 1976. Three city workers who were on a break went inside an abandoned house at 325 Northeast 6th Street in Oklahoma City to explore it, and they reportedly noticed the smell of something dead. So, let me have to stop you. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is on April Fool's Day. Oh yeah, on April Fool's Day. On April 1st. Yeah, not so funny. And the joke was not on them? No, well, no, maybe, I mean... Maybe not? I don't know. I guess I gotta listen to you I, tell us. Well, I guess, you know, if you're thinking of it in terms of April Fool's Day and someone playing a joke, they, I mean, that's a really sick joke. That's a pretty bad joke. Yeah, it's really bad. Because they went to investigate this house, and they there were boxes and just litter. It's like transients had been in there and stuff like that. But when they kicked over a popcorn box, it revealed a severed human head. So if that's someone's idea of an April Fool's Day joke, they are sick. That's and the twisted. mother of all April Fool's Day jokes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's horrible. But unfortunately this was a real severed human head. So of course when they realized what they'd found, they left and called the police immediately. And the police show up and they find, um, along with the head, that there was a severed thigh, a torso, and various random body parts scattered all around the house. It was noted, too, that the victim's face was mutilated into an extended smile, which reminds me of the Black Dahlia. Uh, Elizabeth Short, she had a Glasgow smile, too, that was um, cut into her face. So that was the first thing that I thought of when I was reading these articles about this victim. And even though the police found the body parts that they did, they noted that there were various parts of her body missing, um, most notably her sex organs. So they found pieces of her in this house, but not all of her. You know, <clears throat> you don't know why any serial killer kills somebody and why they do what they do with them as far as cutting them up and everything, but the whole... Glasgow smile thing, you know, like right. where did they get that from that from the Black Dahlia? I don't know. That intrigued them. They were maybe into murders and, and different things. However, yeah, they were already know. sick anyway and killing, but hey, let me just do this twist. Right? <laughs> oh gosh. I don't know. I don't even want to know, to be honest with you. But it it took seventeen years to identify this victim. For seventeen years she was listed as a Jane Doe. And apparently there weren't any missing persons reports on her and the body was so mutilated or, you know, it was missing parts that they weren't able to identify her right away. So in 1993, a woman contacted the Oklahoma City Police Department to find out if she could file a missing persons case on someone who had been missing for 17 years. And the police sergeant who took the call thought the description provided matched a composite sketch that was posted around the police station. So she thought it might be worth checking into it to see if the Jane Doe was the missing person. So the, the sister of this missing person provided a DNA sample and it was compared to a tooth from the Jane Doe skull and it ended up being a match. So Jane Doe was finally identified as Kathy Lynn Shackelford. And I'm part of me thinks 
you know, like the family, they, they were filing this missing persons case. They haven't heard from her in 17 years. Maybe they knew deep down that she wasn't alive anymore because of the radio silence for so long. But part of me thinks like that had to have happened so quickly for them that they probably didn't even have time to wrap their head around. She really is gone. You know what I mean? It's, it, that had to have been yeah. very hard. Well, I mean, it's hard enough losing a family member. I wonder member, if they but... put a missing person out earlier than that and then just got removed or forgotten about, or yeah. did they do it somewhere else where they thought maybe she could be opposed to the Oklahoma City area? I mean, anything is possible, but I, I don't know if the, I don't think that the police station spoke to each other last, you know, like back then. Oh, so. not, not to the degree or the connectivity that we have with, with technology. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't up to par. So, I mean, anything is possible, but from what I could tell, they had never filed a missing persons report. Yeah, and what I found really interesting was when you had mentioned I kind of like cued into the whole thing about they'd been 17 years mm-hmm. and that this police officer remembered this sketch, this Isn't composite that sketch. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. She... Like that, I don't feel like it's just coincidence. I mean, it just all kind of happened you know, yeah, no, materialized I, all together at the same, at the perfect time. They at least they could put a rest and put a name that hey, we found yeah. Kathy. And and Jane Doe now had a name and was no longer a Jane Doe. So they may not have solved the case, but they at least thought, resolved identifying a victim, which is important. You know, for sure. Um, so yeah, I it it just blows my mind too that this police sergeant is is like, oh hey. That description you just gave me matches a composite what, drawing like, that's been on me, the walls I, I, around yeah. here for years, you right? Know? Um, and said, let's just take a chance. And I happens. can imagine walking down the hallways all the time or seeing these different missing person cases and just going, "Wow, this has been up here forever." Yeah, yeah. Like I was at the police academy and came out, and it's still <laughs> here. I've been in the force for 17 years, and I'm about to retire soon. Yeah, in the next few years down the road. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't even think about it like in those terms, but you're absolutely right. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Great job to her. Or really. Um, So then three years after the first victim was discovered, on April 19th, 1979, in the vicinity of the 300 block of Northeast 10th Street in Oklahoma City, some kids were playing basketball, and they noticed a dog dragging a human head down the street. (laughs) Yeah. To top that off, sick and creepy observation, you know, that that had to have been for these traumatized little kids. Police found body parts of this victim for the next two weeks just scattered around the neighborhood. They found a hand, a woman's pelvis, portions of pancake-sized skin that had been cut off, and other tissues wrapped in newspaper and brown paper bags, which is where I believe the Oklahoma City butcher got his name from. The wrapped and cleaned parts. Um, each of the body parts had been carefully cleaned by the killer, like, like very clean and wrapped. It's just so weird. weird. Yes. Um, and the victim was identified through fingerprints about a week later and as Arlie Bell Killian. Her family reported to have seen her just hours before, before her first remains were found, like hours. And then suddenly these little boys are seeing a dog carry her head down the street. Yeah. How traumatizing is That's that crazy. for everybody? Oh, I mean the kids especially. They yeah, you're outside <laughs> throwing the ball around. You know, oh I remember back gosh. in the day. 
I've never know, cars are coming around before. the middle of the street. Cars are coming. Okay, everybody else car. <laughs> yeah, car. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody moves over, moves out the way, waits for them. Then you, you know, you pick up at your game. Yeah. Then lo and behold, you see a dog carrying a head down the road. I mean, that's just kind of every day, right? Not at all. Not no. at all. Everything up till that up point. Up till that. Is everyday occurrence. <laughs> okay, like everything up to there, and then I'm gonna have to say no. Like Spike was just going to play fetch. That's not cool because Spike was playing with a, a human head. Yeah. And and those kids. Well, what's wild those too kids. is again, it's kind of like every killer how they have their different marks, their different way of doing things, but just to clean off the bone, to clean and oh, wrap yeah. it and everything, like with special care in a way. That's what I mean. If you're gonna clean something, to me that says you care about it presentation or at least you know mm -hmm. so it, it just blows my mind that he he cleaned them and wrapped them up and then dropped them off around this neighborhood like i uh, i can't I even and then to note about how you know her family had just seen her right. hours before right hours can you imagine that's like when in the morning when we get up and we're getting ready for work and you leave for work, and we're like, hey, bye, you know, see you later. And then I get a phone call later that someone's found a dog carrying your head down the right. street. Yeah. I mean. Well, and then, too, because, you know, you saw me, said goodbyes, kids are playing, see the head. So this has already happened. Whenever that had right. happened, taken place. All this killing. And then I, you don't know. I would think he's probably putting out the extra other body parts in, at different times. Not all at I once during that whole time. Because, because they found him over two weeks oh, time frame. Okay, yeah. So the crime scene and then calling it in and finding the family members to let them know when they said, ah, we just saw him or her like right. out a few hours ago. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of twisted in its own way. But so... These are the only, uh, or the, sorry, this is the, the crazy thing, is that the case went cold after Arlie's remains were found. So, you know, they were, these two, first two murders happened, and they were three years apart, both in April, so it's springtime, that kind of stuff, but then it went cold, not another killing. There were um, no other victims until seven years later. Wow. On March 6, 1986, they found a, a torso, or someone found a torso and a leg of a woman behind a house at 501 Northeast 1st Street in Oklahoma City. And about a week later, her head was found in a garbage can by a homeless person at 501 North Lindsay Avenue in Oklahoma City. And this victim was identified by her tattoos as Tina Marsha Sanders. Her tattoos that were, they were listed as identifying marks that were linked to a missing person's case. So she was at least reported missing. I don't know how long she'd been missing or anything like that before they found her remains. But seven, there was a seven year gap between yeah. her and Arlie. And I don't know, I'd hate to be that homeless guy. You're just probably digging in a garbage can to find some money or some food or something. And yeah, what's your thoughts though on the gaps between? Honestly, I, I have some thoughts, but that kind of goes in line with some of the theories later. Okay. Um, you're going to cover and get to that yeah. and talk about it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But definitely the springtime killer. 
Right? Does that sound that sounds much better than April, that. April and March. Oklahoma City Butcher I would rather have if I'm a killer because that sounds a lot cooler, but Right. Springtime <laughs> killer I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just just springtime killer sounds a little, sounds a little too much fun yeah. to me, like too laid back and easygoing and this hey, guy Yeah, I'm a springtime killer. Exactly. Yeah, we're not clowns. So <laughs> I don't think it really works. Oh gosh. So Anyway, there are only these three victims that were ever found and that we know of. I tend to think that there may be more victims that we don't know about, and that's just an assumption, though. There's nothing saying that there are definitely any other victims. These are the three that were found, the three that are attributed to him. So I just think that way because serials are not known for just stopping killing. Yeah. They don't usually have these huge gaps. You know, there's, there's, unless, you know, unless, Unless, I mean, the person who killed these people, uh, you know, obviously fits in with the serial killer thing. But unless it's like a mob hit or something like that, that only targeted these three women and such a, a far gap between the killings or whatever, I can't imagine there aren't other people. Right. Does that make, think. like, uh, there, to me, there <clears throat> have to be other victims. It just doesn't make sense yeah. to me. But... The three murders are believed to be linked together, but they haven't. There haven't been any leads in the case since the last murder in 1986. So the main leads were that all three women were Native American, early 20s, same build. All the bodies were found within a mile of each other. They were all possibly homeless, and two of them were known prostitutes working in the area, which also feeds into the serial killer theory because they tend to target women that they don't think will be missed and things like that, typically, you know. Um, a little more easier prey, I guess. Right, right. Uh, so according to the files that I did read, the victim's body parts were left where they could be discovered. So whoever did this was definitely not trying to hide anything. They were putting them out because they wanted them to be found, um, which just adds to the craziness of the whole case, in my opinion. And the sexual organs from all three victims were never recovered which is really odd. But uh, the dismemberment was described as, and this is the part that really gets me too, like there's so much to talk about here, but the dismemberment was described as non-surgical and crude and sloppy, but it was noted that the body parts were cleaned and wrapped in brown paper. How, I, I, I find this bizarre because if you're killing someone and you're in a rush, it's gonna be sloppy. Right. But why take the time to clean and neatly wrap the parts you cut off? Well, like how I wonder what, super you know, sick is that? Once he got them to where he could have more time that he could take to clean those. So parts, are you saying it's like a like he grabs the victim and he slaughters them and just cuts them up so he knows that they're dead and then he's like, okay, now I can chill and maybe that's just sick. But, I mean, you're sick to be a killer anyway, but yeah. it's just sick in my head. Like, I can't wrap my brain around that. Know. doesn't make sense. How do you go from crude, sloppy to neatly wrapping and cleaning? Well, you need to think. I mean, but there's such big gaps in between these killings, but you'd think the killer had to live close by in that proximity. Yeah. And the reason why is the way he killed them, the way he dismembered them, and then he cleaned the parts, and he put them out there in that known area. Right. 
I don't know. So, like I said before, there there were no viable suspects in this case, though. It's worth noting that for the second victim, for Arlie, police did consider Henry Lee Lucas for the crime, but, you know, and he was convicted of killing 11 people, but he was ultimately ruled out in this case. And I don't know if he just wasn't in the area at the time or what, but he was not the guy. So, no arrests have been made, and the case remains unsolved. Now, some speculation on why there was such a gap in the murders is that the butcher might have been in the military or in jail because these cooling off periods, like I said, are not um, what serial killers do. They, they have a need to kill, so they don't wait three and seven years between their victims. So, I don't know. I, I think... Sure. What do you think about the military theory? Yeah, I mean... I could see both of these. I mean, the one, the military, me and you both being part of the military. And thinking about that, you know, when we take leave, we take time off, we're stationed somewhere else, not in the area, and then we come home, and you just don't always get to come, you know, at every every whim. Right. But there'll, there'll be gaps, but maybe, you know, did he come during the time, like spring was maybe a good time, the weather was a little bit better here, uh, maybe it was a event, something going on, that was lined up. Right. Well, and I think when we had talked about this before, you had mentioned something about, and it, it holds true, um, in the military, sometimes people took leave specific times of the year. It wasn't always the holidays or anything. It had to do with, like, family gatherings, you know, or right. or some special thing. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, the time frames kind of line up for something like that. It could yeah. be possible that and the gel thing. here. Yeah. And then the gel thing, the cooling off times, just because they're they're put away for a while. And then after that, after the seventh one, maybe they passed away. Maybe they went to jail for good. You mean that after the third one? After the third one, I'm yeah, sorry. Seven yeah, seven-year gap, I guess. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Or maybe they just moved on to another state and they've never linked Right, they were traveled or, or, yeah, these these murders happen in other places. Right, similar mur- I mean, maybe. Mm-hmm. You never know. Um, all I know is, is this story is just crazy to me. Um, but out of curiosity, and because Matt and I live here in Oklahoma, we decided to go see how close each of these bodies were to each other, and we found that they were within a couple of blocks of each other. It's very different in those areas now, but way back when, that area was known for prostitution, drugs, homeless camps. It was just not a good place to go. But seeing it today, you'd never have guessed any of that was in that area. Um, but it was it was very curious how close the the bodies were to each other when they were found. These these bodies were like within a mile. Oh yeah. Mile and a half. You, like, yeah, and if you cut straight through like a line through one area to another, maybe maybe it's still a mile, but maybe right. or three quarters of a mile. Yeah, so not, close together. Not far. It, it was kind of crazy, um, but it made me think, you know, like because of where they were found, their bodies were found. Where were they actually killed? You know, like. Yeah. He, he wasn't, obviously this guy wasn't butchering them on the street. That was the pickup place, but where did he take Where them? did he actually take them and kill them? And for that matter, how were they disposed of? Like, we know how they were disposed of the parts of them, but what about the missing parts? What did he do with all that? Because it was never recovered. And I'm sorry, but when you, people have a lot of blood in their bodies. Yeah. It's 
You're going to dismember someone. There's going to be blood everywhere. Like you'd have to be either you take them out somewhere because you own, like you have some property a little bit out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or, it's, you know, that's an industrial area, but you kind of have a, a space to do that in, in a warehouse kind of thing. Yeah. Even though I think somebody else would stumble upon that. but You would think so, yeah. I don't know. But then in Arlie's case, too, the family, you know, going back to the family had seen her hours before. So did this guy, when he picked her up and he killed her, did he just, was he like dressed as a mailman or a milkman or a meter reader and he's just dropping packages off of the got her body parts in it right you know and coming maybe did he do it all in one day or did he do it over that two-week period so when the cops are roaming around this neighborhood was he, he also there like, oh that's so he well i kind of wonder though not that it helped me like i'm going to solve the crime or anything but how far was the family members where did they live where they saw her Right, how far away did she live? How far was that? What's that distance? Yeah, this whole case is just just messed up, in my opinion. I mean, it's it's really sad how it all happened and the fact that it's unsolved. But um, there's just not. I mean, that's it. That's that's where it ends, right there. You know, know, unfortunately, there's a lot of cases in in podcasts uh, that we'll be covering on ours that you get, you know, who the murderer, who, who ended up doing it. You kind of get it. You get the details. You get the details, and not that it's all in a pretty bow, and it's all finalized, and you can see it, because, you know, these people are still hurting that they lost somebody. However, like this one, you just, you don't, you don't get that end result. No, there's no closure. As far as who's done it. Right. Yeah, there's no closure. And I'm sure their families feel the same way. Like, I'm a little bit frustrated by it, so I can only imagine how they feel. But, um... I did want to note their tribal information. Kathy Shackelford was a member of the Sac and Fox tribe, and she was buried according to the tribal customs. But Arlie Killian and Tina Sanders, they were identified as Native American women, but specific tribal information was not available. So um, I have been looking at this Native Women for our Justice for Native Women blog. Recently, it's full of missing and exploited and and murdered Native women who their cases remain unsolved, and there are quite a few. So uh, if you have any information regarding the murders of Kathy, Arlie, or Tina, I would encourage you to contact the Oklahoma City Police Department at 405-297-1180. And if you are interested in learning more about more other Indigenous women who are missing or murdered, um, please visit that blog because it was just amazing. It's uh, justiceforNativeWomen.com. I found it both fascinating and sad at the same time because there are just so many. It would blow your mind. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So we can, uh, we can wrap it up. To wrap this up. All right. So we <laughs> want to thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our first ever podcast. <laughs> and we welcome your constructive criticism. And, you know, uh, we're learning, and the, the podcast will get better in time. So just stick it, stick it out. Stick with us. Uh, we hope you guys um, enjoyed it. Feel free to check out our website at wickednesstrueprimeintheunknown.com or find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness. We may, uh, in the future, do a Facebook group, Instagram, and Twitter. 
and we'll keep you posted. If you'd like to support us in our efforts to bring you more material, feel free to do so. Support us through anchor.fm slash site and click on the support to help us out. We plan to release new episodes each week on Tuesdays, so make sure you're uh, excuse me, subscribe or following us so you can be notified of a new episode that drops and releases and updates and or bonus episodes. So we don't want so we don't want you to miss it and we appreciate you listening and we will see you next time. Okay, bye guys. Bye.